This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Well, welcome everybody. Uh, another Chelsea fancast live at the Troubadour. Live. I'm supposed to say live. Though. Yes, and uh, apologies for. Well, we're. At, I mean, it's a bit of my fault. Keep confusion. There's a difference between three o'clock doors open and four o'clock kickoff. I'll try and be more clear next time. But there we go. Um, we're absolutely. I mean, obviously, I'm Stanford Chidge. You should know that by now. This is who Jonathan Kidd, man of the fan bite, man of the people, a legend in his own lunchtime. Um, my own trousers and trousers. Now we are we're recording this for a podcast, obviously, which is why we have mics. I know you can all probably hear us anyway, but if you can't, just let us know if you can't hear us. Um, and the other thing is, we have a roving mic so that you can ask questions of Mickey. You know, please speak into the mic when you ask your question, because otherwise it won't be heard and it'll annoy me when I try and edit the podcast. <laughs> But other than that, everything's fine. So, without further ado, uh, I, I can't tell you how delighted I am to welcome this fine gentleman on my left to the Troubadour. He's one of my favourite players of Chelsea of all time. He's an absolute legend. Uh, we had him on the fan cast years ago, and we spent two hours absolutely crying with laughter. I mean, he's an absolute gent. Uh, the absolutely fantastic Mickey Thomas! Whoa! Mickey. How about that? Good to see you. Yeah, well, I'm happy to be here. Obviously, I came down yesterday for the game. Um, enjoyable to, until it was uh, too all. Uh, but the game was good. I thought Chelsea gave a good account of themselves. And uh, I think they're going to get better and better. There's no question about that. I reckon it's a bit of a turning point, Mickey. I think so, yeah. I think you need this turning point in Arsenal. They say they're premiership contenders. What a laugh that is, by the way. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, I just think that Arsenal haven't got what Chelsea got. I think Chelsea give a good account. As I said, they, they look good. Um, 
got the two goals that they what they deserved, but the two goals conceded was poor. I thought the goalkeeper. I don't like criticising individuals because I've been a player myself. We all make mistakes, but I thought he made two really bad mistakes that cost the game yesterday. Uh, it should have been maximum points, but we got a point. You take a point, but really it should have been three. Yeah, I mean, I I, I blew off yesterday. No pun intended because I wasn't feeling too well. So uh, I watched it on the telly, and I have to say. You know, you know when something like—I mean, you bet—you know this better than any of us. You played the game, but when something like that happens, it sucked the life out of you as a player. Because then Chelsea worked—they worked so hard yesterday. I thought. And I think Chelsea' problem was at two 0 it should have been three 0 And when you don't take those opportunities, it can come back to haunt you. And then you get one lapse of concentration with a goalkeeper. You get punished severely. Obviously, we rise to open goal. And then now, as a player being there, I know you, now you're feeling a little bit nervous because. The next goal is crucial. If you don't get it, then they get it. You could lose the game. So, in that respect, they lost a little bit of confidence yeah. in, in that period of play. It looked it, but I tell you what. I mean, you, you, we were talking about this on Friday, weren't we, J.K.? Yeah. Given where we've been, and where oh, I hate to say this, where Arsenal are at the moment, you know, two all's not really a bad result, even though we did throw it away. Uh, it was it was very disappointing though. Let's be let's be honest, because we played so well and there was so much effort. And I thought the midfield is becoming a, a great powerhouse, particularly Connor, who everybody was willing to dispense with at the beginning of the season. But I I, I think all three of them are, are putting in a great turn. I was intrigued by just watching um, Fernandez at the very end of the game, where he just stood in the centre circle for about a minute and a half, just shaking his head. And I thought, well, the very fact that he's really upset about this speaks volumes for the effort they put in and the effort they're going to put in for the rest of the season. And I think it goes back to Pochettino, really, who is clearly moulding them into a, into a decent outfit. And I think our pessimism at the beginning of the season is possibly misplaced. And uh, I'm pleased about that, really, because uh, I think we, you know, this is progress. We were saying it on the, on the programme, it was a litmus test really and I think we came through it really well, well apart from I the think two goalkeeping though, uh, with, with the expectations because you, you've won what you've won and uh, the players have said they have got to take responsibility of course they have so the pressure's on them to get to that level and it's not always easy it's not always going to happen is it you have a period at a football club five or six years where you win everything and then you're going to have yeah. a, a lull aren't you so you have to really accept that in particularly in the ways. completely new bunch of players yeah and you've got well. a new group of players and you've got a new manager now as well you know when I think you need to stay with this guy because change at the top can damage you as a player being in that dressing room you're not sure he's going to be a manager one week to the next so I think you get some stability here and I think that will prove a benefit for you really I mean one of the thoughts I had after yesterday is that I mean Arteta love him or loathe him has has outtacted us, uh, and I mean even I, too. I, I, even I think Tuchel. Arteta's is great, you know. He's yeah, but no, but I mean honestly, tactically, he tactically he's done us. Yeah. Uh, Tuchel, Lampard, yeah. you know Potter, obviously. Yeah. But actually, Pochettino, I thought did him tactically yesterday, and I was really pleased to see that. I thought the way that Pochettino set the team up yesterday was absolutely fantastic. I mean, we were all saying on Friday, weren't we? Oh, God, it's going to be Sterling as a false number nine. And he didn't do that. And they didn't know how to cope with it. And I thought, well, well, I well think, done, yeah, Poch. With the Derby game, obviously a different atmosphere in it. You know, there's more riding on it and more pressure because the fans want it just as much as you do. <laughs> So in that respect, it can be difficult as well. But as a manager, I thought he set the team up right. Um, it should have been the right result, but in the end, it didn't happen, did it? Yeah, 
now, listen, one of the things I wanted to ask you first, really, was how are you? Because, of course, you've had a tough time recently, but you're looking, yeah, you're looking I've, wonderfully I've, well. I've been very ill for the last five years. I, I think, if you don't know, I had a, a severe cancer. Um, uh, I've had a massive operation. I've major surgery. I've lost my tummy sort of thing. They've moved that around to up here sort of thing. So, uh, yeah, it's been a tough nearly five years, yeah. but... I'm a fighter, aren't I? As you know that, guys. You watch oh, me yes. play. I'm a fighter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, you're looking well, Mickey, and yeah, it's good to yeah. see, mate. Yeah. Yeah, I, the most important thing, as I said, you know, um, I try and keep active. I try and keep... Still running? Fit. No, I don't run as much now. I'm only, honestly, when the police are chasing me, that's when I start running. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah, I, I keep myself fit. Um, I, th- I think you have to do that to, case I have to, you know, I've got another four or five scans to go inside my body, so if, if anything's there I need to be strong to fight it, so that's why I try and see it. Well, we, we wish you all the best with that, mate, that's for sure. Now, the other news from yesterday, of course, it's kind of pertinent that we've got you here with us today, of course, but uh, very sad news that Sir Bobby Charlton passed away and obviously you've got, you know, big Man United connections, yeah, so what I mean, I've, I've seen him. I haven't seen him for the last couple of years because obviously his health has deteriorated, so um, but the one thing I like about what's happening, you know, I mean, for him, is get that recognition. Because, you know, as time goes by, people tend to, this is what I'm, I'm, I'm delighted to be here today because they haven't forgot what my part was in, in 84, 83 season, one of the best times as a Chelsea fan. So I'm, I'm delighted to be part of that and they remember me. So in terms of Sir Bobby, you know, globally, the biggest superstar of his generation, I'm as time goes by, people tend to forget about what he was like, but in, you know, the oldest statesman in this, in this room will understand is that the game we played was a tough game. There's no question about that physicality and that, the pitches, the balls and everything, and, uh, and to display what he did and the goals he scored, the, you know, the thunderbolts he scored from all over the pitch. Yeah, anyway. not, almost as good a shot as you, really. Well, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> no, but it's fantastic. But, but so someone like Sir Bobby, as he's done, what a great career he had. And, you know, what a gentleman off the pitch as yeah. well. well you must look. have met him a few times at United, yeah? Yeah, well, I've seen him loads of times. I've met him loads of times. I remember uh, Man United were playing at Newcastle and I was working for a radio station and someone asked me to get his autograph. So as he was coming up the steps, I ran over and said, Sir Bobby, can you sign the autograph? He goes, goes, Mickey, you don't want my autograph. I said, no, I don't. It's for someone else, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, but a great guy, and, you know, lucky enough to have met him a few times, and uh, as I said, I'm a football purist, I love football, uh, and his generation was a, a special one. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, you know, reflecting on it yesterday, I'd be interested to hear what people in the room think, because they look a similar vintage to most of us, but uh, I think he's arguably England's greatest ever footballer. Well, you, I wouldn't argue that, you know, um, because, I mean, there's been some magnificent players over the years, some great players and that, you know, um, Jeff Hurd scored a hat-trick at Wembley. Um, you know, people like that have made a name for themselves, you know, but so Bobby Charlton was a prolonged career as well, wasn't it? You know, he played for a long time at the highest level, scored more goals, played more games, only Ryan Giggs overtook him uh, recently. So, you know, to play that amount of game for any club, yeah. you know, is exceptional. Fantastic stuff. Um Obviously, we're going to talk to you a little bit about your Chelsea career, but uh, before we do, and I know, I know you guys are going to have loads of questions about particularly the 83-84 season, um, but uh, I, can't, I can't sit here next to Mickey and not ask him about Wrexham and what's going on there at the moment. How are you yeah. feeling about all of that? Yeah, I mean, incredible. Isn't it? I mean, 15 years in the non-league football, I mean, it's been horrific for them. Nearly went out of business completely. Um, and these two guys come out of nowhere 
nowhere. Um, and one of them is obviously really high profile in Ryan Reynolds. Um, so what they've done, they've given a profile that has gone beyond expectations. They're, they're massive now. Everyone's talking about Wrexham. And you know, from the non-league to Division 2, they're still getting the headlines in that because of these two guys in charge. But for me as a, as a former player, and I, know, I, I go and watch him as much as I can with the great Sir Joey Jones mm-hmm. uh, when I can get him to a game. It's great to see that happen, you know, because they have been up there, not like a Chelsea or Man United, but they have been up there to a level, the second division, which is called the Championship now. So to get anywhere near that again would be amazing. Um, sold out every game, they sold out next year, they got a new stand coming, 6,000. So everything's going well in, in the right direction for them. And as I said, it's all down to those two guys. It just shows you that some Americans can be good owners. Mm, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, well, I, I think I, know, I could say that's a rhetorical question yeah, if you like, Mickey. I, I, I think obviously that I think there's eight or nine ownerships now in football teams with American owners. But you know, um, I can't be critical. All I know is that they put a lot of money in at the moment for players, etc. Uh, I don't know what their real goal is in, in, in the future, but I think they provided money. You know, I know they've been spending, spending, but. As a manager, you want to be able to buy the best, and you know he's going to get that opportunity to get the best players. That is going to be enhance their chances of winning competitions, isn't it? And winning trophies. So, in that respect, you really can't knock them. Whatever they've got in there, up there, I'm not so sure. But if they can keep producing and, and providing money for the for the manager and, and the players, why not? It's probably best I say little. But everybody knows what I think. But I wouldn't want to get any of us into trouble. So I, I, I will keep stun on that but you make a good point Mickey and I think the key the, I think what we you know going back to yesterday's game I mean I, I, I really do see it as some sort of a turning point because we've had a we've had a tough t- time against you know top six sides in the last few years and, it, and, and, and we, we battered them yesterday for most of that match we looked a good side yeah. and I think Poch is a good manager and I think if we do stick with him he is going to deliver well, I think he needs time. I mm. think, you know, um, impatient Chelsea fans are. They want to get back to where they were. So you can understand the pressure coming from the fans onto the, to the players. And I, I've been in that dressing room. I know what it's like. So, you know, you have, to be, you have to win football games. That's the nature of the game. So in, in that respect, if they can stick with him and give him a little bit of time to build what he wants, great. But in football, you don't get that time these days. You don't get that time. You lose two or three games. It's a crisis, isn't it? Then, you know, social media now has took over everything. It controls everything. Without that, you can't get away from the fact social media now can be... I think for myself, because I know from the experience what I read, is that they can sack a man, they can get someone sacked, they can get a player out of a team, they can ruin his career now. Because once they get on the band, once one person gets that stick, everyone follows suit, it's hard to get that stigma off your back and that. So... In that respect, playing today would be very, very difficult if, if you're off the radar slightly because they they're crucified. Well, I think that's that's I I, I still like to think that uh, that the match-going fans have a, a greater influence on on the success or not of a manager. But I think you're right with social media. I mean, we we, we all know about Mason Mount. You know the grief he was getting, and now it's Ben Chilwell. There's a lot of players. Well, I, well I, from the outside, I, I could hear that, yeah, and, I, yeah, yeah. and I couldn't work out what was going wrong. I mean, I don't know the ins and outs, to be brutally honest. So, from the outside, all I'm saying is that he looked like he was committed to Chelsea. You know, he looked like a top player for Chelsea. What I seen, I didn't see all the games. I've not, I've not got the luxury of you lot, but what I had seen from the outside, I thought he was a good player. Mm. You know, I've, I've seen him at Old Trafford. I've said hello to him and that, and 
you know, he's obviously under pressure now because what's happened at Chelsea, he needs to start well at United. It hasn't gone that well for him. No, Does he know you're a Chelsea legend? Well, he shook my hand, so he must have done, yeah. Did he get, did he get, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He did he get up, your autograph, though? Yeah, but, no, I said, I'll sign it later to him. <laughs> no, but yeah, in that respect, though, I mean, the fans and the social media, it, it's different now, and yeah. it's a different ball game. I know, I'm not sure how I would be able to, to, to handle it, to be honest. You know, it, it's something that it can affect you, and I don't think some people understand is that the abuse you get, it can not just affect you, your family yeah. as well. So it's hard to do that. I wouldn't do that no more. I, I'm, I've got an understanding. I don't want to criticise people no more because I think realise about mental issues and things like that, it affects you. No, it does. And, it, and, it, and it can destroy you. I think if I was a player, I, I don't think I'd be on social media. Or, or maybe what a lot of them do is that they just hand it over to their PR company and they don't even look at it because nothing good can come out of it. Um, should we go back in time, Jonathan? Should we, go, should we go back to 1983? 1983. Mickey, um, I'm, I mean, we all know, you know, John Neal obviously was massively instrumental in your career, you know, obviously at Wrexham, and then he brought you back. Um, how did you feel when he gave you the call? How did it go? Do you remember? Well, the first call I got, um, it was on a Thursday night. Uh, it was about 11 o'clock at night, and I, I'm not usually in. I'm, new, I'm normally out, obviously, partying. <laughs> so I pick up the phone, and this is the first conversation I ever had. And on the other end is a guy that I never heard of before, and I never spoke to you before. And the conversation went like this. He goes, uh, are you Mickey Sam? I said, yeah. Because I'm Ken Bates, the Chelsea chairman. I went, yeah. Because I've been told by a lot of people in the game not to go anywhere near you. You know, you're a bad lad, you're without drinking, <laughs> shagging, never turn up for training. I said, hey, hang on, Mr. Chairman, can I just say one thing? He goes, yeah. I said, your information's fucking spot on, mate. <laughs> yeah. So... So what happens, I posted a meeting the next day, but I didn't like the way he spoke to me, so I didn't sign, I went to Stoke instead. But 18 months later, I get the phone call off John Neal, like, Chelsea want to sign me, and I'm not going to turn down the second opportunity. So I said to John Neal, yeah, I'll, I'll sign in that. So on, on the condition that I could still live in Wales, with, with obviously with, with a great Joey Jones, my best friend. So I've signed the contract, but... In the contract, Ken Bates said I had to move closer to London. So in that 83-84 season where we won promotion, where everyone think it was amazing, probably the best football I've ever played, there's no question about that, and we win that title. A few days later, he calls me into his office in Stamford Bridge, Ken Bates says, sit down there. I said, yeah. He goes, uh, I'm not happy with you. I said, what do you mean not happy with you? I said, just won promotion. I haven't lost a game since I've been here, by the way. He goes... He said, i give you a concept. I said, I asked you to come and move closer to London. I said, well, I have. He said, you've gone from Colin Bay down to Will, 10 miles down the road. <laughs> I said, yeah, but I have moved closer. He said, fucking 10 miles. I said, yeah. So he couldn't really do anything about it. That. So my time at Chelsea was probably the best in my career. There's no question about that because... You know, when you hit the ground running, you know, my, my first game was away at Derby, but my first game was at home to Sheffield Wednesday. And I used to like a pint of Guinness before a game, so the kit man uh, called Jimmy uh, Henry, um, he came to the hotel on a Friday. So I'm having a few beers and that. He goes, you want another pint of Guinness? He said, yeah, I'll have another pint. So I ended up having about seven pints or eight pints, I can't remember. So I said, I better go now, so I've got a game tomorrow. <laughs> I'm making my own debut. So... I get to bed. So this is the gospel truth, what's going to happen now. It never happened to me in my life until this day. I've gone to Stamford Bridge 
I've got the worst headache. I've got migraine. I've never had migraine in my life. Now, I'm on the medical table. Normal medicine is the physio. And Johnny will go, what's happening? I said, listen, I can't play. I said, I'm in severe pain. I've not, never had this before. And Norman, let me work on him for half an hour. So Norman Meadows is massaging. He clicks me neck, and I've never had that done. My neck all over the place, and that. And it was the last minute before the team sheet went in. And he comes, are you going to play or are you not going to play? I said, I'm playing. Boom, put my name down. That was the best game I've ever played. <laughs> so I had ten, I had ten pints that night, didn't I? <laughs> Eleven pints a week after, see if I could play any better. So, so, so. That game was the best start that any player could ever have at our home debut. I scored two goals. I made the third goal for Pat Nevin, you know, and they were the team that we were fighting for that top spot, wasn't it? So I had the perfect start to my career. So when you get connection with the fans in that respect, you know, it's very hard to break. So my love affair with the Chelsea fans, because I was aggressive, I was passionate. They liked that style of play, and, and that's why I got on so it's well. It's a phenomenal Chelsea. debut. Phenomenal debut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all came away going, oh, yeah. we're in love immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I ran to gate 13, you know, it's well known. So um, I ran into that gate 13 and that, and that was it. Yeah, and yeah. yeah. It, 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 it's a special there's there a story behind that, isn't there? You well, yeah, yeah, I got, the players told me the story about gate 13 being mad, and I'm mad, so I thought we might as well get connected <laughs> straight away. So, so that, that was, for me, you know, as your fans out here, that, for me, was something special to get that connection because as a player, you need that. Yeah. You need to get off to a good start. And, you know, not to lose a game in 21 games that season, you know, like I was a lucky sort of mascot, it was incredible. So that, that, was, that was probably the best yeah. I could You set the bar so high because every, every time I see somebody play as a debut, I want them to I think, I always think, well, Mickey Thomas was fantastic. Let's yeah. see what you're like. And if yeah. they're underwhelming, you go, yeah, but surely they should at least make more, as much effort as Mickey made. Yeah. In, in, in my mind, it's always having seen that game and just come away just, just absolutely in, in awe of your performance. He's, he's not easily impressed. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not. Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, yes. I had the headlines that day, the next day, and I, you know, uh, King, uh, Thomas King, uh, the King's Road, King of the King's Road, and that, and the headlines were very, very, you know, good for me, and that, and, oh, and I said, and that scene, you know, the games and and the team I played, you know, the team I played, you know, from the goalkeeper Eddie Nazisky and you know, to, to everyone included, that dressing room, like you talk about Chelsea now, it had a connection. So Joey Jones, my best mate, he made that connection. Everyone, you know, you had your special players, and obviously John Bumps, one of the great players who yeah. never gets really recognition. Yeah, you know, he's one of my favourite. He's one of my favourite players of all time because he goes unnoticed. You know, when the team, I know because I, yeah. I like the work out of He's a hard man. He never moaned, he never groaned. He just got on with it. He put that shirt on every day. And I would get on that pitch and I knew. I looked around. If, if it's going to be anything that's going to be a little bit naughty, I knew he'd back me. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, in that respect, I know Kerry Dixon could look after me. He wasn't just a goal scorer, Kerry. I remember having a bit of a problem with Andy Gray at Everton. I, I, I kicked him. He goes, You do that again, I'll, I'll see you after the game. I did it again five minutes later. Than I, of course. So, <laughs> so, as I'm going up the Channel light, I put my head on that, and he goes, I seen the bar, I put my head on that. I said, Yeah, okay. And Kerry Dixon goes, I'll be coming with him. So, you know, <laughs> so I thought, Yeah, so Kerry goes, I'm up for it, I'm up for a fight. Yeah, come on, I'll go. That was Kerry in the tunnel. So I thought, that, That's what you needed, that, like, you know what I mean? And you had people like Colin Lee and that um, would go unnoticed, very aggressive uh, uh, midfield defender at times when he played in that position. The whole team was a perfect 11. 
you know, like it's like making a cake up in the, the right recipe. We got together, and that team was unbeatable that season. And you know, as a Chelsea fan, you know, I'm a football fan as, as a player. That must have been so special. And that's why '84 season, '83, I still come up here. I, you know, I came up here yesterday. I said to Kelvin, I love coming up here. You know, I had a great time on the pitch. Also off it, by the way, in string followers and things like that. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I have great memories coming here. So, you know, it, it's not just about the game yesterday for me. I came four or five hours early, Kelvin and Sally, just to go round and that, look round the ground and have a picture. You know, that's why I, I wanted to do that, to bring back to, you know, what was special to me. You know, you know what? I mean, I, I'm sure a lot of the people here today were at the 83-84 uh, the do we had, you know, when we launched the book. And uh, a lot of people afterwards said it was, it was a... F- obviously a brilliant evening but it was really interesting to see that there was a bond the bond that you all had as a team actually yeah. was very very clear with each other the bond that you had with us was also very very clear yeah. and the bond that we all have with each other so it's quite a unique thing I think where you've got that kind of three way thing going on I, I but think it was special, that is because the modern game now you don't really get that connection the players aren't really allowed to go out and enjoy themselves or you know go out, you know, and, and mix with the, the fans these days. You know, they're well protected, aren't they, and that. So, in that respect, we, we, we were we were different. You know, we after the game, we go out to the bars down the road, have a beer and things like that, and, you know, enjoy yourself, but you can't do that no more. No, you can't. It's I've, been taken away. I got a message from Kerry, actually, earlier, and he sends you his best. Yeah, Kerry is a great guy, yeah. yeah. And obviously, not forgetting, Pat Nevin, the genius, he was unbelievable. Probably unplayable at times, Pat Nevin. He, he's the most gifted footballer I've ever seen. He could do anything with that ball. You know, he wasn't the biggest in stature, but my God, when he had that ball, he was unbelievable. He, he, I don't think he knew what he was going to do. I didn't know what he was going to do, but he, he's <laughs> unbelievable. He could do anything with it. Well, it was a hell of a team. Except oh. for penalties. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. And Kerry was pretty rough at penalties, it has to be said as well, wasn't it? Um, just a quick question for you lot, really. How many, of, how many of you were in gate 13 that day when he jumped in? I can't believe that none of you were. Amazing. They're all respectable here today. Uh, clearly they are. We're all at the T-bar. <laughs> You're at the T-bar, not the ship. <laughs> right, OK. Um, I just question I wanted to ask you, actually, because you kind of picked up on it, but, you know, you, you came into that side. I mean, obviously, you know, Joey's your best mate, but... Did, you know, as a footballer, did you kind of arrive there thinking, hello, there's something going on here, this lot, there's, there's, you know, I can see that there's a tight well, group. Well, that's here. why... It's I hard know, coming in mid-season, isn't it? It was, but that's why, you know, I looked at the table, and uh, I know, after I spoke to John, um, Neil, uh, and I thought, they look like you're guaranteed promotion anyway, um, but John Neil wanted to win that league, he wanted to win it, didn't want to finish second, I want you to, you know, to come here, I want to win the title. Um, so I said, yeah, I'll, I'll join that. I know my reputation was a bad reputation, you know what I mean? I, know, I, I, I was a bit of a lad, but the one thing I just said to the guy down there, I could run for fun. I could be out all night, but I could run all day. And if that ever affected me on that football, because I wouldn't do what I was doing, you know, I, I knew I could do it. Um, some players can't do that, you know what I mean? So, but that team was a special team. And I just mentioned Pat and that, you know, everyone you could go right to, David Speedy, you know what I mean? He, 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 he I know he didn't get on with a lot of players. I know he had a lot. You know, he had twelve fights at Chelsea. He never won one, of course. Only twelve. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, but he was in that season. You know, <laughs> I, I think for me, I want to be in the side with David Speedy as well because Fire. he was such a crazy individual. He, he, he was aggressive. And he could head a ball. He wasn't the big in stature, but he could head a ball. Unbelievable. And 
you knew in that dressing room, on that, he's going to give everything as well. So, in that respect, you've got, to, you've got to give him credit. He was a good player, a great player for Chelsea. Not a good, he was a great player for Chelsea. And, and I mean, how good a manager was John, uh, John Neal? I mean, we, we all love him, obviously, but from, from a player's perspective... John Neal was so laid back, you know, but when he spoke, you listened to him, you know. Um, he, he was very unique in that respect. He, he could do anything, you know. He knew what he wanted... There's no question. Don't forget, he had a very high-profile chairman in Ken Bates, you know, and you know Ken Bates was great for Chelsea, and I will have a bit of laugh about him. But in that period, Chelsea needed someone stability-wise and and to keep Chelsea afloat, and he did that. But John Neal was a great manager. You know, he managed me as a young kid. I walked out on football at 17. He came and got me from home. He brought me back into the game. He gave me my life in football. So I owe a lot to John Neal. And you might not like what I'm going to say, but I don't think he really, from us he will, but I don't think from the football club he got that recognition no, or, or that credit that he deserves. Because that was the start of something good for Chelsea, in my, in my eyes. I couldn't agree more. I, I think when you look back in history now, it, you know John John Neal was the starting point of really where we are now. If you think about it, with, with he got us on the road back, didn't he? Yeah, and he came to Chelsea at a very bad period, by the way. You know, it was a difficult time for Chelsea. Chelsea were struggling, weren't they? You know, and he took over a football club that I don't think he knew or the chairman knew which way it was going to go. Uh, and, and unfortunately, it went in the right direction, and, and he brought the right group of players in, the right type of players that Chelsea needed. You know, they needed battlers, they needed fighters, and, and you know, people that are in the trenches don't fight together. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna fast forward a bit, Mickey, to the next season, to that the infamous, uh, you know, effectively three-legged tie against Sheffield Wednesday in the Milk Cup. Yeah, I'm largely because I, I know you're going to tell me one of my favourite stories that I've ever well, heard from the, a Chelsea player. The story is really, <laughs> I'm just telling some guys out there, the, the Chelsea story is quite quite interesting, really, because. We drew the first game, one all at Stamford Bridge, and after the game, I'm going down the tunnel, and Andy Blair, the one I'm going to smash up later on, he, 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 he says something to me, and I didn't really catch what he said, and I went, yeah, yeah, like that, and walked off, and I thought, did he say something that I wouldn't like? I, I, kept, anyway, I walked off. So the game now is at Sheffield Wednesday. It's 38,000, it's going to be on BBC TV, match a day, whatever. So we're in that dress room. Now, this is the best how can I say, manager's talk I've ever had, not before the game at half-time, we are now getting beat 3-0, but before that 3-0 happens, they get the two goals, then they get that third one, so as they're walking back to the halfway line, Nigel Spatman, one of my great friends and that, I call him the choir boy, he wouldn't say booty with you, so what happens is this Sandy Blair that I'm going to knock out, he's having a go at Nigel Spatman, I, and I, all I said to this exact word, word for word, I said, hey, I said, hey, leave it out, you, you're winning 3 0. Now, he said something about my wife. He was right what he said, but he shouldn't have fucking said it. <laughs> <laughs> right? So, so what he said is wrong, so, right, so now, uh, my, my head's gone now. My, my, my intention is I'm going to do him. So we get a corner a minute later, just before half-time. Now, there's six to 7,000 Chelsea fans behind that goal. Just remember this. You'll know the game, because it's one of the best games ever. So they're behind the goal. Now, we get a corner. So I said to Spatman, I said, you watch the referee, and I watch the linesman. He said, what are you going to do? He said, just watch the referee that is not looking my way. So I'm looking at the linesman, and he's like that. And this Stanley Blair's on the 18-yard, smirking. My son's going, 
spots him clean out. He's on the floor like that. Now, the shepherd, when these players know I've done him, but they know I was a bit of a psycho. They didn't come too close to me. Um, and the referee come over, and this is, this is the gospel. Here. The referee comes over. He goes, have you hit him? As he's saying that, 7,000 Chelsea fans behind the goal. There's only one Mickey Thomas. <laughs> I'm saying, shut the fuck up. As the other <laughs> so the whistle goes now for half time, right? The whistle goes now. I'm going down the tunnel and they're all mouthing that. And I've got Killeney and I, it's like trying to have a bit of a scrap and that. So we get it into, Johnny will get it into the restroom and he sits it down. And all he said, right, these are the exact words. We're losing 3-0 in the quarterfinals to Sheffield Wednesday. We're losing. We're not going to win the game, by the way. But John Neal's team talk was, what are you hitting for? I said, he said something about my wife. Fine. He said, you got yourselves in this trouble. Get yourselves out of it and walked out of the room. That's all he did. Walked out. Came back in. He said, Cannibal, you're coming on. And that was it. Never said nothing. I've never seen him. Now we get the first goal, Cannibal, bang. 3-1. Now, the momentum's with us. There was a massive crowd that day, but them 7,000 behind that goal were incredible, wild, noisy. We could hear them. We get the second goal. I scored the third goal. Great goal, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I scored the equaliser. Then we get a fourth goal. Now, we're going to win this game until my big defender, Big Doug Ruby, he's going to mess it up. Right? They're tacking down there, and they that Mount Sullivan pushed the ball past uh, one player. I know now I'm going to get that challenge in. So I'm going to get the challenge in, but out of nowhere, Doug Ruby comes, poof, take the referee gives a penalty. And Doug, Doug goes, that's not a penalty. So they, it is a penalty. <laughs> they get the goal and they get the equaliser. So after the game, I, would have, I was with a few Chelsea hooligans after. I'm in the players' bar upstairs. So I'm in the bar and this Andy Blair comes in with a few fellas and that, and, that, and he's mouthing that. I said, I'm going to get you out of Stanford Bridge. You wait, I want to do you. He said, you're in trouble. And he looks at me like that. We play Chef Wednesday in the third game at Stanford Bridge. We kick off. We're on the attack. Don't forget, this is a great, because I scored the winning goal. But in the game, 30 seconds gone, that Andy Blair's run right over to me. Now, we're attacking, but he forgot about the we're attacking. He came over and said, will you forgive me? Well, we're friends. <laughs> I, I looked at him like that. I said, you're in my pocket, mate. We're going to win this game. <laughs> so we get a goal against. Obviously, they, they get a good goal. But David Speedy gets to equalise after a magical play by Pat Nevin. And I scored the winning goal. How ironic. I'm going to get the winning goal in the last seconds of that game to win that game. As you've seen from the video, which I watch most, most nights, is that all the fans... <laughs> <laughs> all the fans, all the fans on the pitch in that. It was, it was mayhem. And Howard Wilkinson who despised me because I scored two goals in my debut. I've just scored a winner again. He can't stand me. He hates me. He so have a sense of we humor, win that really. game. So that was amazing. Those were great games. You know, the atmosphere and the connection, the fans on the pitch. I know you can't do that now, but the fans on the pitch after that game, if you watch the video, as I said, it, it's incredible. The scenes after were, were never to be forgotten. I mean, I know the Shepherds Bush Maldini was there. Where is yeah. he? Yes. Uh, how, how many more of you were there uh, at the, uh, the, 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 the Hillsborough match? Yeah, a few of you. JK, you weren't there? I wasn't, I'm afraid. Oh, mate. I've let you down. I don't know, I don't know. Um, 
I mean, talking of matches, I mean, that was in the, in the following season, wasn't it? But, um, you know, in the 83-84 season, which, which matches really stick out in your memory as, as real great matches? I mean, it doesn't have, not necessarily because it was good football or whatever, but, well, I mean, the Leeds 5-0, I think, is a... The Leeds I mean, one, because I think that's one, you know, I've got all them pictures. I mean, they are, you know, incredible because that day, I mean, Leeds United, obviously, with the connection between Leeds fans and Chelsea fans are well documented. Tasty. You know, it's quite intense and they brought a fair following, to be honest. It was a nothing game for them. But that was an extraordinary game in terms of we win 5 and I scored the first goal. I've ran into the crowd. I had a lovely gold chain on me. Yeah. I ran out the crowd. I lost my chain. Someone nicked it. <laughs> so if anyone knows where that chain went, let me know because I want it back. <laughs> so we, we win the game 5-0, but before that game finished, the referee blew up four to five minutes before that game was going to end because it was, it was the most extraordinary game I've ever played in a professional game ever in my career. The Chelsea fans are on the pitch, right by the side of the pitch. The Leeds players, right, are petrified. You know, they're scared. They know what's going to happen. Once that whistle goes, they're going to come on the Chelsea fans and they're going to get caught on it. They kick up the referee. Fair dues, the referee was quite simple. He said, listen, lads, all the Leeds players go to the right-hand side of the pitch. He said, then I'm going to blow the whistle so you can get off in there. So he yes. blew five minutes before the end, didn't he? Obviously, they were well beaten anyway. They weren't going to win the game. I remember that we all commented on that, saying he's going to blow the whistle because he's moved all the players to the side. I remember watching but, it saying yeah, that. It yeah. was incredible. But yeah. there, was, there was a danger of the game being abandoned at one yeah. stage because of the, all the... the, it, and, it was the, the and it was a celebration the as well after that game, as you well know. It was mad. It was crazy. And, and I've just been lucky enough now, I'll tell you the story, I just met the guy that I gave my shirt away that day. Grimsby. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I give him my shirt. He asked for my shirt. I give it him. And what happened was that I've only just met him now with that shirt 40 years later. Yeah. It still fits me, by the way. That is impressive. Dave? Is he here? Repeat it. Right, shame, shame. That's fantastic. That is fantastic. It is amazing. Yeah, I mean, you know. Not, not least because it still fits you. Yeah, it does still fit me, actually. Yeah, it might be a bit... But the only person I know who could probably say that, Mickey. Yeah, no, no, no. I've seen a few players yesterday. John Bumstead still looks well and that, yeah. He does, he One does. or two players, obviously. Colin Pates, that. he's looking well. Yeah, Colin, I've seen Colin yesterday as well. So, yeah, it's good to have a connection. Did you see right? a lot of them yesterday? Yeah, I've seen, yeah, I've seen um, John Bumstead, uh, Colin Lee. No, Colin, no, David Lee was there. Um, um, who else was there? Uh, Gary Stanley. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, great to see Guy. Yeah, he's not looking too well. He's not well at the moment, yeah, but yeah. Um, great guy, great servant to the club and that, yeah. So, um, yeah, it was good. It was good, wasn't it? Um, obviously, you know, the, the, the second season for us wasn't quite like the first because you got a lot of injuries, didn't you? And, uh, I brought me jaw in the yeah. first, uh, in a friendly... Um, uh, I can't remember who it was. I broke my jaw. The guy smacked me, well, elbowed me and broke my jaw. And so I missed the first game, but I, I was on the bench for the first game. It was Everton. We hadn't lost the game, but they put me on the bench on the because he said I wanted to be on the bench, so we did. And that season, because John Hollins eventually took over, and it, you know, obviously he had other days. I, I, I respect John. I love John Hollins as a person. That, you know, but um, I tell the story before is that we played Aston Villa away, so we come in the dressing room after the game, and John Hollins is standing. I'm, I'm to cut me top. And he said something, and I, and, I, and I said, what did you say? I said, you're not questioning me about my fitness or my, my, my work ethic on the football pitch. I said, don't ever, you can question me about anything else, but never question me about my work ethic. Then I realised then something was on the, on the cards, I think. So 
And uh, he looked at me, and so I, I questioned what he said. So he, he, he went back a bit, and he didn't want to get in the conversation after I said that to him. So then I, I understand that now I'm not going to be a regular in this team. He wants me out because of my, my, my travelling commitment. Me and Sir Joey Jones were travelling. He didn't want that. He wanted to move to London. With John Neal, we had that in our deal. So I wasn't going to be paired. And Joey had already decided to leave because, obviously, he was fed up with travelling. Um, so really, I, I played a quite a few games that season, but majority of the games I was getting left out because I was not obviously moving, traveling every other day, and that he wasn't like yeah, me. Yeah, but I mean, you know, you were traveling every day, but you'd done that the season before; it wasn't affecting your performance. No, but he had different ideas, John Hollins. You know, I, I respect that. I, I you know I respect John Hollins. As I said, you know, um, what he wanted to do, that was fine. That, uh, and it was a strange ending, really, because I, I was training on a Thursday after, uh, morning. Um, down in Harlington by the airport and John Hollins called me over and he said um, the, chair, uh, the chairman wants to see you and my exact words backwards to John Hollins said no I said he's not the chairman I said he's the manager you're not the manager he's the, he's the manager like that and he looked at me like that I said yeah so I, I went to Stamford Bridge not expecting to what was going to happen obviously I can't say exactly but so we get in, I get in the office and he goes hi right, Mickey he said, I've had a few offers for you. So I said, what? Because I've had a few offers for you. I said, I didn't know I was moving. He goes, well, he said, I've had a few offers. Birmingham City, Ron Saunders, um, Leeds United want to sign you. And he said, West Bromwich Albion. And as he said, West Bromwich Albion, he said, funny enough, he said, Johnny Giles is in the hotel down the road. So uh, I said, oh, yeah. He said, I think she's going to have a <laughs> chat with him. I said, what do you mean? He goes, I think she's going to have a chat with him. I said, well, does that mean you don't want me to play for Chelsea again? No, I'm not saying that. I said, well, you're more or less saying it because I've just said to you now, you want me to go and speak to Johnny Giles. So I went to see Johnny Giles. I had no intention signing for Johnny Giles. I didn't want to sign because West Brom was struggling. I want to still continue at Chelsea. But this is not going to happen. So as I've gone into the hotel, I see the, the chairman of West Bromwich Albion, and this is his act words. He goes, oh, my God, he said, Mickey said, my son's your favourite player. Will you please sign for, for, you know, for West Bromwich Albion? So I went upstairs, because John, uh, John, um, John, 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 Johnny Giles is upstairs in a, in a private room. So I've gone into this private room. So this is his act words. He said, sit down, Mickey. He said, um, would, you, <laughs> would you sign for West Bromwich Albion? I went, well, not really. I said, I'm... I know, I want to probably stay at Chelsea. Said, you know, I said, you're struggling, like. Because, listen, I don't care if you don't turn up for training. Just turn up for matches. Oh, this is a joke. God, I don't care if you don't turn up for training. Just turn up for matches. Said, you don't want me to train? Said, no, he said, you want to live in Wales. He said, you do what you want. Come in when you want. So he said, uh, I said, well, he offered me a few bop as well. So I said, well, I said, OK. So I said, um, OK. I said, I'll come and watch you tomorrow night. They were playing in a cup game against Port Vale. So I'm in the stand with Nobby Styles, the great Nobby Styles, and that. West Brom get battered 3 0. I'm thinking, they want me to play here. I thought, oh my God. <laughs> so I've gone back into the office with Johnny Giles, and he goes, You haven't changed your mind. <laughs> I said, No, we'll give you five extra grand more on top of the sign on fees. <laughs> I said, Go on, and I'll sign, because I wasn't wanting at Chelsea. So I signed, and it was one of the worst things I did because I played 30 games out of 30, but in that. 30 games, I played Chelsea. And I told Calvin and I tell the boys, Mark, and that this is unbelievable because that day, I played for West Brom against Chelsea. The team I played for had a great time. And they sang my name from the beginning to the end of that game. Yes. And I got into that home dressing at West Brom with Albion. 
and I'm going to get pulled into this medical room by a guy that's won the European Cup and won the World Cup, Nobby Styles. He's going to have a you there. I said, yeah. So he got me a brandy because I knew he liked the brandy. I liked the brandy after the game. So I'm having the brandy. He goes, I've never seen that before in my life. He said, what have you done at Chelsea? I said, what do you mean? He said, they sang your name from the start to the finish. He said, what did you do? I said, I don't know. I just, I've got the connection. I give everything. He said, he said, I've won everything. He said, I've never seen any player in my career ever get a reception. And that's how special that connection was with me and Chelsea. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's because we love you, Mickey. Oh, no, I mean, you know, I, I, I can sit here and talk to you and with the guys in front of me now. It, it's incredible, that. You know, I went, I went to Shubia eventually when I came back from America because um, I didn't get on with John Wayne. So I came back and <laughs> what, what, what happened is that I played for Shubia for one season um, in the second division, Chelsea in the second division. And that day, Chelsea fans was singing for me to score a goal against him. That's it. So my <laughs> love for yeah. them is like unbelievable. So I'm very lucky. I know, as I said to Joey, my best mate, you know, a special bond we got. It's a special club, isn't it? I think a lot of people on the outside looking in just don't really get this. You, I mean, obviously we do, we're supporters, but people well, we who play for the club the, get the this, The 83-84 is something that yeah. was unique because where Chelsea were before I played for them, mm. you know, well before I played for them, in the doldrums, it was, it was going nowhere, wasn't it? Yeah. The crowd was sparse. It was, it was nothing happening, and, and so John yeah, Neal yeah. came in and changed that round. Yeah, absolutely. But it was also it was your commitment to the club though that made the the crowd want to chant your name. It wasn't yeah. that it wasn't just it's a wonderful band of supporters. You were so fantastic. Yeah. I cannot underestimate the joy that watching you gave me. It was ah. Oh, Phenomenal. So I'm, You're going to cry. I am. I've got emotional about it. I have. I've got emotional about it. because well, the it, one thing is... I'm, and it I've really been was a, so The one excellent. thing is that I've been a footballer, obviously, for 20 years, 21 years. I've played a long time. But the one thing I've always done is wherever I've gone, and in every game I've played, I've always tried to give everything. And I think if you give that commitment and passion and, and show that you want to win a game, even when it's not going your way, you'll get the fans on oh, your side because they'll know you're not... You're not you're not packing in. What was that moment that Bates wrote about in the programme where you just, I remember watching, you just went, you kept going for the ball and the play and in the end you fell over and headed it out, lying on the ground. I did that, I did that. Shuffle when you that was. That against. was, um, yeah, yeah. Um, they were going down the right wing and yeah. that and he was going to get a cross and the only way I could do it was dive in with my head. Yes. You can see what's like the state of my face now, can't you? <laughs> so, so I dived in with my head and, I, and uh, my head first have gone in and Fair dues to Ken Bates. A couple of weeks later, he put that in the poem about me, how brave I was. And that. But it, but it was probably stupid, but I did. But it was the talk of the crowd, you know, in, yeah. where I was sitting. Everybody just went, yeah. look at what he does, this yeah. guy. Yeah. It was the, your commitment was just phenomenal. I keep using the same word. God, much Remarkable. How about that? It's quite a unique thing, though, Mickey. I mean, it's easier for us to say maybe than, than you. But you, you absolutely... I mean, minimum requirement from a supporter, you want 100% effort from yeah. your, from your yeah. player. We, we forgive players who aren't very good if they're putting 100% in. You did that. And you had great skill and flair. Yes, I mean, you were a great entertainer. You, you were a great football player. And third, you were a great character... And we love that as well. I had, I had someone behind me who, you know, I've known all my life uh, since I was, what, 12, Sir Joey Jones. Obviously, I keep mentioning Joey because he was something special as an individual. Um, you know, as, as, a, as a fan, I know the connection he's got with the, with the Chelsea fans because he gave everything. 
you know, the biggest heart you could ever wish for, the most um, loyal person you could ever meet. He, he was everything, and uh, not in great health at the moment, but you know, he, his, his, his passion for the football club and that, that event we did two or three years ago, maybe four years ago, when I took him for the first time, and when he got on that car and he said, I couldn't believe that. I said, what, the Chelsea fans? And I said, because they love you. Yeah. You know, and he was a committed player when he yeah, yeah, was yeah. like the most passionate person. And that's why I talk about a dressing room, about 11, 12 players. When you've got someone like that in your dressing room that has got everything and is going to give everything, then you've got a real good chance of winning a football game. I know I was disliked by a lot of opposition players because I was aggressive and he was the same because I wanted that ball. You know, I mean, I wanted to get it at any cost in that. I wasn't a big in stature, but I could look after yeah. myself. So the bigger they were, the more I got excited. You know, that I want to, I want to get that ball off, and, <laughs> and I had Joey to look after me. If any, I'm Joey. Come, I'll sort them out. Well, I love that. I love. I mean, I've, I've yeah, heard so many stories about yeah, you know players yeah. like you. You will go for it, and if you yeah. get hammered, you get your mate to come and hammer there. Yeah. I love all that. Yeah, but as I said, it was a, the perfect team, and everyone should take credit for that. You know, and the fans' connection. Yeah. You know, as I said, it's like a perfect to get that togetherness and to get that spirit and that team spirit. You don't get that too often and that, uh, that that was unbelievable as I said and I say to Calvin and Mark I, I, I see on a regular basis you know I love coming up here as I said I, I had a great time here on and off the pit so I love it well, we, we love seeing you and uh, we were very sorry to see you go um, not least because you were replaced by Jerry Murphy but the less we say about that the better maybe and I, I've got a photograph uh, of one of the times you came down here and it must have been when David Luiz was with us, because we were all wearing David Luiz. There's a hilarious picture. Marco will remember this. There's a picture of you at the CFC UK store with a, with a David Luiz wig, isn't it? Yeah, that's right, yeah. yeah it's absolutely classic. Um, I think you've probably heard enough uh, from me and JK, so I think it's time that you uh, asked uh, Mickey some questions, which I've timed perfectly for Dan going for a pee, because he's supposed to be Mickey microphone, but Mark yeah. will fill in. Remember... You've got to speak into the mic, otherwise it annoys me when I edit the podcast. Chidge. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chidge, I'd be bereft. Inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> It's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow, great. Uh, but yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. 
Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Fans, real I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com. Hi, Mickey. Some great stories there. I thought it would be an interesting question. All-time 11 from everybody you played with and coming from a fellow Welshman, there's one or two names I could imagine coming up. Right, so um, all-time best 11 of people that you played with. Oh, what a great question. Um, well, you've got to put some Welsh players in there. Ben, ben, well. well, Neville South for the goalkeeper, um, obviously. Uh, Eddie Nazisky was a great goalkeeper for Chelsea. Um, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't leave out Eddie really because one of the great friends. Obviously, speak to Eddie. We, we won't uh, tell Eddie, all right? Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll just so you can have Nev. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We'll go for Nev. Um, without without Joey left back, there's no question about that. Um, probably the best ever for me. Um, a right back. Um, I put Colin Lee. You know why? Because Colin Lee was a very, uh, I think, unrecognised player because. For me, he was big in stature, but also a big art as well, and he very consistent. And another player really doesn't get the credit he deserves because they go they go underneath the radar on that. So someone like him, I think Kevin Ratcliffe, who played with it for Wales, he was probably one of the best. But Pates here as well, I mustn't forget Colin Pates as well. Um, midfield, I've got to put Pat Nevin on the right hand side because he was a magician. You know what I mean? Um, he was the most skillful, most gifted player I ever seen of his generation and, and I say that not lightly because he was unbelievable because um, when he had that ball something was going to happen you know he, he terrified defenders with his ability and, 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 his, and his footballing brain because he did have a great footballing brain uh, to go along with that um, I, I put obviously Ian Rush up front because he's a natural goal scorer but also I put in my greatest ever 11 was Kerry Dixon because People say he wasn't the most gifted, but he was the most natural goal scorer. You know, and his goals, the one that, you know, um, Sheffield Wednesday, that, that one he scored at Sheffield Wednesday, great goals. And the goals he scored for Chelsea's records are incredible, in it? So he would have to be in, in my starting 11, there's no question about that. Um, probably Mark Hughes, another Welsh. It's all Welsh players, isn't it? Mark Hughes, uh, without doubt, you know, uh, played for Chelsea. Uh, unbelievable player. Uh, great lad as well. Uh, I certainly have him. Uh, who else have I missed out? Anyone? I don't know. More, more in midfield? More wingers? Well, what about Mickey Thomas? Um, well, I've definitely him before he played. Uh, no, I, I, well, I, obviously I like myself, obviously, but um, if I'm picking 11, I wouldn't put myself in it. No, um, obviously, I've played with some great players, and I? Guy Speed for a short period of time. Um, I would say, I mean... I, I don't know. It's, it's hard to say, isn't it, really? I mean, Cannibal, I only played for him for a short period of time. I mean, um, lovely, gifted footballer. 
Uh, there's no question about coming through a very difficult time at Chelsea to, to get what he, uh, what he got. Um, that's it, really. I think I've had name 11 or name 12. But you had an incredibly long career. I mean, 21 I, years. I did. You must have played with a lot of players. Yeah, I, I, you know, the one player I do in my afternoon speaking when I do afternoon, who's the most player that I admire? Uh, who did I get the most out of and who did I look up to? And that person I've said many times before he passed away was Ray Wilkins. Because Ray Wilkins for me... <laughs> uh, Ray, Ray Wilkins for me was a player... When I, he joined United after me, and he had a very difficult time. Uh, the fans really didn't take to him. Um, the one thing I took out of his locker was that when you're a player and you're having a bad time, you probably sometimes want to hide, you don't want the ball. He wanted that ball every time. Even though he was getting penalties and abuse and that, he always wanted that ball. He eventually became a legend at Manchester United because he became a great, he was a great player anyway, but he became a great player at Manchester United and he won the fans over. But he went through that difficult time, but without him doing that, you know what I mean? I, I thought, what a brave man he was because some people like that would like to go the other way and hide, but he didn't. He shone every, he showed every time for that ball. And I remember at Christmas time playing for Manchester United, we used to have to stay in a hotel on a, on, a, on a night game before the Christmas one, Boxing Day. And I lived in Wales, so I had to go back to Wales. And Ray Wilkins goes, you're not going back to Wales. He said, what do you mean? You're coming to my house for Christmas dinner. Not once, but twice, two times I went to his house for Christmas dinner. Yeah, so uh, that, that's, that's, that's what type of guy he was. He brought me back into his own home and that, and that, you know, that turkey and that. He probably didn't like it. He's had quite a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> No, he's, he's well-loved yeah, yeah, well well in these and parts. To be captain yeah. of Chelsea at 18 years old, you, you don't get much better than that, do you? I mean, to, to get over that, you know, I mean, you know, whether we like it or not, United is a huge club, and uh, it says a lot about his character, but also about his belief in his own ability, I think, that he, he wrote oh, that out. A brilliant player. That's why he played for so long. He played all the best teams, and that went abroad and played. You know, he was a very gifted player. You know, a young lad at Chelsea getting into, you know, into that team, and... And being captain of Chelsea, what a great honour that is, and that you know, and Chadley died far too young, obviously. Um, it's a great sadness. Lovely that. man. Yeah, but well loved. What, what a great man! What a great man! He a was. great footballer as well. He was indeed right. Uh, next question. Don't be shy, David. There we go. Uh, you mentioned um, Sir Bobby Charlton. Um, there's a bit of controversy with today's Chelsea. Chelsea should play on. Christmas Eve, and then a game two days later against Crystal Palace, if it happens. Do you think the footballers of Bobby Charlton's era, um, and you know your your own era, playing on mud, basically, and you know you're, you've got a lot more, you had a lot more about you than today's sort of namby pamby <laughs> footballers, really. So basically. Uh, because uh, there's there's talk of Chelsea having to play on Christmas Eve this year against Wolves. I've seen, I've seen yeah, it, yeah. And uh, you know, you, we, just talk, we talked about Bobby Charlton earlier, and your generation of footballers. Dave's kind of basically saying, are they a bit soft these days if they, you know, having to play two games in three days? 
Um, well, we could play any day. We, you know, completely different the game now. Obviously, the, the pitches are so good, the, the balls are lighter, everything is different in today's modern game. We played in conditions that were horrific. We played in snow, we played on frozen pitches. That doesn't happen no more. That that's not going to happen no more. Um, all these softies today. I don't think. I think the way the game gone, Dave, is that. They took away the, 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 the tackling and that. You know, that's just gone away now. And uh, there's no real physicality in the game no more, which is, which is, which is wrong for me. You know, I don't think there's a rule book that say you can't challenge, but the way the game is now, you, can't, you can get, so you get the ball in the player by accident after you're going to get a red card. So in that respect, I don't like that. I, I like to get back to what we were, but unfortunately the game is, is going a different way now, a different direction, which I don't think is good for the game. You know... You know, your handball yesterday or whatever, you hit your hand. Did you, you think it was a penalty? Um, it was yesterday because that's a modern game. But, you know, you get players now putting arms behind the back and it, it, it's just wrong for me. I don't like it, but that's the way the game's gone, isn't it? True enough, true enough. Uh, next, Dan. What are your thoughts on VAR? Can I swear? Yes, <laughs> yeah, as much as well, you want. As a fan, and I'm a fan, and I love football, you don't get that moment of glory no more. It gets taken away from you. Um, if it's good for you, you like it. If it's not good for you, though, and I, I just think I'd like to get it away. I like goal line technology. I think that's, that's perfect. You know, you, you get the build-up to games now to goal, I should say, is that something could happen well further back and that, and they don't really see that. And, but... I don't, I don't like it. I really don't like it. I mean, them people. What annoys me more about VAR? They got four or five people in the studio looking at it. Then they eventually look at it, but they have to go to the referees to put the pressure on him to make the final decision. That's wrong. If they got all the, all the things there in front of them to say whether it is or not, they should be coming out. Not the referee take responsibility. I don't like it. How do refs from nowadays compare to referees? Well, from you the can't old days? talk to a referee. You could talk to a referee when we played. You know what I mean? You could call him all everything like most of us did. And he'd swear uh, back at you. You you can't get away with that now. And as I said, you know, the cameras are everywhere. You know what I mean? If I smacked Danny Blair when I did, I'd have been sent off. Would have been banned for about ten games. Be, it would have been caught by the seventeen been well cameras. Worth it, it? Well worth it though. I would have been well worth it. Yeah. <laughs> I would have took jail for that. Going back to that, were you worried that we were going to give you away? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> what, what did you say to the ref when he said, did you hit him? What did you say? Of course not, you just said. No, I, well, the Chelsea fans, were so, I, was, I laughed after because them Chelsea fans, single man, there's only yeah, one, making some, I thought, I said, shut up, you haven't seen it. <laughs> so, yeah, so, and obviously I got off at half time and obviously John Neal, that team meeting was like, two questions, yeah, yeah. what are you smacking for? You got yourself in this mess, go and get it sorted out. That was amazing, that was. Um, yeah, the, the VAR now, as I said, you can't get away with anything, can you? In RE, I mean, it's a proper man's game. You could smack someone, couldn't you? Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, and quite rightly, some of them deserved it, didn't they? Oh, all, all, all for a bit of that. Uh, Dan, who's, uh, who's next? Who would like to ask a question of Mickey? Don't be shy. There we go. Kelvin. All right, Mick. The Shepherd's Bush Maldini. Shepherd's Bush Maldini. Question for you, Mick. What do you say about these Wrexham fans these days who say that this is the, currently the best team Wrexham have ever had? <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I, I never played in the non I never played. I, I, mean, I, can't, I, I can't really answer that because I never played in the non-league. So uh, they say it's the best Wrexham team. We'll let them say what they want. Uh, I know the real truth. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, they can have everyone. The thing one, people tend to forget, like I said about Sir Bobby Short and people like that, people tend to forget what you've done, but the real fans that have been at those games never forget that, like you are today, you know what I mean? I'll be driving home on a, on a high, even though I went through traffic lights on stop last night, probably got six points for it. Uh, but yeah, I'll be, go, I'll be going home tonight feeling 10 feet tall because being here today and being here yesterday, I, I, you know, it's given me so, so much satisfaction, so much happiness. Mickey, you're, you're welcome here anytime, you know that. We, we still love you just as much as we did in, in, in the 80s. Um, just just to, for those of us who are perhaps not too familiar with Wrexham, Wrexham have had some pretty damn good players down the years, haven't they? They have, yeah. I mean, obviously, Joey uh, Jones obviously played for Liverpool in the end. Uh, yeah, played for Liverpool and Wales. Um, yeah, uh, Billy Ashcroft played for Middlesbrough, and uh, he, he, he was a good top player. Bobby Shinton went to Newcastle, Man City. Yeah, they've had some good players along 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 the way, and that obviously a new generation now. And as I said, they're, they're getting massive profile for playing in, in in a very low league. Good luck to them, though. Good, lovely. Next question, Mr. Meehan. <laughs> <laughs> asking a serious question thank you. <laughs> Mickey you've had some challenges in your life and obviously one of them you served a custodial sentence how was it in prison for you because obviously people would in prison would have known who you were and were there, you know, were there Chelsea fans in there were other football fans how did they relate to you while you were in prison well, I was lucky. I played for a lot of teams and that, so I, I mean, so I was well liked in there. No, 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 you were no, well no. covered. I was well covered, yeah. So in that respect, it helped me, yeah. But I, you know, someone wanted me to do a book. I know someone asked me to write one of the very famous guys said, "Would you do a book being in jail?" I said, "No," because why? I said it'd be boring. Stayed in Monday, stayed in Tuesday, stayed in fucking Wednesday, yeah, stayed in fucking fine. Yeah, so yeah, um, yeah. I mean, we all make mistakes, don't we? As I said and. My mistake was I talk to anyone, I get involved with anyone, that's my nature. Um, I paid the ultimate price, obviously, with going to jail for 18 months, which I don't think I deserve to go to jail, but that's another story. Um, yeah, but it was tough for me, I have to say. Um, I'll never forget my first day in jail. Um, I got convicted, so I was sent to Walton Prison in Liverpool, and being a former Manchester United player, I wasn't very looking forward to that. So I've gone into that, uh, um, in, in that jail. I'm in a holding pen with about 200 other people that had just been convicted. And I'm all sitting on the chair, and this is a true story. On the far side of these 200 people, there's like one big guy who was a monster. He was kicking all these trays and that. So I sat like that. I thought, I ain't going to let him see me in case he's going to beat me up or something. So I sat there, and they called 10 names to get your luxury bedding for the night. So as I'm walking to my cell like that, I get a tap on the shoulder. It's that monster. And I look up like that. He goes, you that fubbler? I go, yeah. He goes, if anyone touches you, he said, I'll fucking kill him. <laughs> I'm round the jail going, go on, go on, yeah. So, and that, that was the first thing in jail. He was a monster, and he said, I'm going to look after you. I thought, thank goodness for that. So that was, I don't know, apparently he was in for violence from Burnley. He was a monster. He was a monster. So I, I was lucky in that respect, yeah, so... Yeah, but as I said, you know, if you go through life, sometimes you make mistakes and it's how you come out of it, really, and I think I've come out of it quite well. Yeah, it's quite, yeah here, here. It's quite impressive that we've got two members of the 83-84 squad who've both done time, actually, with <laughs> you and Kerry. You know. yeah. We've almost got a mean machine side, almost. Uh, next question. Mr. Worrell.
Mickey, uh, one of the best laughs that you ever gave us, it wasn't actually a game you were playing for Chelsea. There's a few of us probably in here were up at Boothbury Park, Hull, uh, FA Cup tie in 19, January 92. And the news came through that you just scored against uh, Arsenal and knocked them out of the FA Cup. And then we all got home and kind of watched it on match of the day. Was, was that the best goal you've ever scored in your career? Well, I think at my age, being 97, um, <laughs> yeah, I was 37 and Arsenal were league champions, weren't they? And they came to Wrexham and I thought it was going to be six or seven. But in FA Cup history, it's got a great history of shocks in it. Uh, I, I never thought it was going to happen that day. The first half, they battered us. They only get the one goal on 44 minutes. Uh, Paul Merson goes down that right line. And he, <laughs> <laughs> and he crosses it and Alan Smith goes bang. So that was a minute before half time. So the whistle goes within 60 seconds. We're walking off and I'm thinking, I'm the captain thinking, this is going to be six or seven. It should have been six or seven anyway. I get in the dressing room, Brian Flynn saying this, I said, you know, we've got a chance. I thought, oh yeah, he must be he must be on the wine or something. So we get out second half. They didn't get going. We had a few half chances and that. Then we get a free kick with about 10 minutes to go. As I put the ball down, the clock, big clock on the right, I said 10 minutes to go. And I thought 15 minutes later, I'm going to be in that bar for the pipe of Guinness. I didn't think I was going to score a goal. So I put the ball down and I said to the guy, Wayne Phillips, pass me the ball. But what saved me was Nigel Winterburn. Gordon Davis used to play for Chelsea and Fulham. He was in the Wrexham side. He was having a, a real bit of a, a ding-dong with Nigel Winterburn. As Winterburn went to get that ball, he ran to Gordon Davis like an old man because he was obviously old. I take the mick out of him, so there's a bit of an argument. So that stopped me taking that free kick. So on the Thursday, that, before that game happened, we had a, a training session. I took a free kick with a five-yard run-up. I missed it, and I could hit the ball. I missed it like a rocket. Didn't hit the target, but still going around the universe now. <laughs> so I thought I'd try the same process. So I said to Wayne Phillips, get out of the way. I'm just going to hit it. I put the ball down. I took five yards and I hit it. And I swear to God, even though I watch it 400 times a day, I can't believe it. it's gone right into the top left-hand corner. Seaman's belly got a glove on it. We get a goal, the second goal, who never gets mentioned, Steve what He scored the winning goal. Now, it was mayhem. So as I'm coming off that pitch... Before the game, I said to David Seaman, because I didn't think we were going to win the game, is it possible the gloves you wear today I can have for my son? So it took me 10 minutes at least, maybe a bit longer to get off the pitch. As I'm walking down that tunnel, on my daughter's life, David Seaman, the goal I just scored against him, probably the biggest embarrassment for him ever, shock in history. He's badly wrecked dressing door, and I, I get that. I said, I can't believe he's still here. I said, you know, probably the biggest humiliation, biggest embarrassment for you. He said, Mickey, he said, before the game, you asked me for the gloves, said, here they are. He said, your mouth's a lab and said, they don't fucking work anyway. <laughs> oh, quality. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. He's a good guy, David Seaman. Uh, right. Actually, do you know what? He, he, he is. I remember many yeah, times at the bridge that we were all doing, let's all do the Seaman. And, yeah. and he would always turn around and, yeah. and take it. So fair play to him. Uh, right, next question. Richard. Yeah, hi, Mickey. Um, silly question, really, but how do you rate, um, obviously, all the clubs that you've played for, how do you rate the Chelsea away fans? 
compared to all the others. How do you, how do you rate the Chelsea away fans compared to all oh, the other Oh, well, it's like a home game. I mean, my first, Joey told me all about it anyway, Joey Jones. He told me what it was like and that, but I'm not just saying because I'm in a group of Chelsea fans. This is being brutally honest. I mean, the away fans is like playing at home. And the, the away fans, that seven, Sheffield Wednesday game I mentioned, seven to 8,000 behind that goal. We were 3-0 down, but they kept on singing that. And that was one of my best nights. And then I made my home debut. And to get that reaction and to get that atmosphere and to get them singing my name like that, I know it helped by scoring two goals, but you don't get better than that. And the Leeds United game, I mentioned that many times because that was so funny about me running in the crowd, losing the goal chain. But that, that was, you know... Chelsea had a bad reputation in those days. It, you know, that was, you know, about fighting. We, you know, we had the Millwall games and that, that was very interesting. I, know, <laughs> I, I never experienced anything like that. That was, that was crazy. But, you know, all the fans on the pitch and that, the police horses on the, at Stamford Bridge, you know, being from where I was, a council estate and that, you know, I, I was excited about all things like that. <laughs> I go, come on, get in there now. You know what I mean? It's brilliant. That. Yeah. So I, I like things like that. So... Yeah, I, I was brought up in that sort of environment. I mean, I, I can you don't think... Get, you know, now you don't get that. You don't no. get that passion. It's very hard to, to express yourself at a game. You get thrown up for standing up. No, it's a very different world now, Mickey. But I think if, if, if I was to pick out, you know, a couple of... Well, maybe three away games from the 83-84 season. Cardiff away... Yeah. City away on yeah. the Friday night and yeah. Grimsby. How, how, how does that I, I rank think, for I the think, away fans? I think we must remember that City game. Um, and Kelvin being very good enough to send me some videos and that, of that game, the whole game, is that that game was very, very important to Chelsea because that was a massive win. It was a huge win, that game, because you know we had to keep that run going because Sheffield Wednesday went dropping any points and that. So that game, for me, probably won as a championship. I know we beat Leeds 5-0, but that game against Manchester City away, to win it in that fashion was unbelievable. Um, I'll never forget that game because before that game, the, the newspapers phoned me up to, for a quote and I hammered, apparently, I didn't say it, but I hammered City players. I said they're rubbish, blah, 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 and the manager wasn't that good. The manager was Billy McNeil, so we won that game. That game was live on BBC, the whole game. So Bobby Charlton was the, the, the analyst at yep. half-time. So we win the game 2-0. And if you, look, if you ever get that game, I'm not sure where Kelvin can get any more, but in that game, you can hear their assistant manager saying, kick that little Wells cunt. <laughs> that's live on TV. You can actually hear that on TV. So we win that game, right? We win that game. And as I'm coming up the tunnel, their manager, Billy McNeil, a former Celtic center he's a monster. And he goes, Mickey! I went, I didn't mean what I said in the paper. I didn't say that. But that goes, no, no, he said, I've got a story to tell you. I said, what? He goes, I tried to sign you for Celtic before you went to Man United. I wanted to sign you, sir. But the day you signed, I told Celtic we're going to sign you. So that's what I want to tell you. I want to sign you. That's how he said I rate you as a player. So that, that was nice, that. But that was, that, was a great, that was a great little story. Great. What about, what about uh, Cardiff away? Because that was tasty. Well, I, I was all right because I was Welsh, but they, they didn't like us because we had the blue shirts on. Me and Joey got a little bit of verbal stick. But that game, I'm, I particularly... I'm going to tell you a story. I, I haven't told this before, and this is a true story. I haven't even told you this, Dave. Right? I was um, playing against Cardiff that day with Chelsea. The night before, I was with the Chelsea chairman's son and another Chelsea fella on a, on, a, on a Chelsea do right down somewhere, I can't remember, it's well away from London. 
I get back dead late, obviously having drinks of wine and that, you know, because I was with the Chelsea supporters, having a drink and that, singing my name, having a bit of fun, I forgot it was a game the next day, didn't I? But I got back. So we go in on the team bus and this is exactly what happens. We get to, to um, Cardiff City Stadium. I get off the bus and the manager goes, I want to see you. This is John Neal. I need a chat with you. He goes, uh, you were out last night? I said, yeah. He said, we don't need to admit to it. I said, no, I was. I said, why? He said, I said, how do you know? Chelsea's his son had gone and told him. I went there for nothing and I had a great time. We entertained Chelsea fans all night. Not really. And anyway, I played a game. I didn't particularly play that well. I think I had a little bit of thing. I thought I didn't give justice to the shirt. So I understand what he said. So we draw that. We draw the game three all, don't we? But it was a game that we weren't going to win. We were three all down, yeah, weren't we? Back, but yeah. that's again about character. Yeah. We got back and got a point out of the game, which obviously was a big point because eventually we win the league, don't we? I think that was quite a turning point uh, for us in terms of winning the league that year, that's for sure. And, of course, we did win it officially at Grimsby, didn't we? Which is a yeah. mental, mental yeah, match, that, that not was, least because there were so many of us up there. Yeah, but that was the best, though. I mean, you know, I've got a funny story. We win the game 1-0, right? So we're not going back with the team, me and Joe. We're going back in Joey's car. So we're driving back down the motorway. Just to think that we won the championship. We're champions. We're delighted. The, the players are all in the champagne and dressing room. So as I'm going down now back to where with Joey, in his rear, he goes... Ken Bates is coming up with his Rolls Royce with his missus. So as he's come up there, I get my shells and pull my shells up. <laughs> <laughs> Show me arse to him like that. He's driving back in his wife and I'm looking at I've got my bum out the window. Anyway. So he mentioned the program she wasn't too happy about it, but we were celebrating when we won the championship and I don't think he ever forgive me for that though. Oh, yeah. Well done, Mickey. Yeah. You did what we would have all wanted to do. It's only uh, better for Dave. Um, Mickey, um, me and um, Mark, me and were um, we went out for um, for a quick uh, cup of coffee with um, Eddie and um, Nigel Spatman, and he told me a story which I still laugh at today. Um, you was um, up to a bit of no good in a ba- in a in a motor, and um, you. Um, <laughs> no, listen, John. <laughs> I'm going to tell you I'm going to, I'm going to tell you the story right guys right, right. Um, is this going to be broadcast I don't know you'll have to, you'll have to invest it so um, listen guys we've all got done but I got caught right? so I'm driving down this country lane with my brother-in-law's wife right <laughs> so as I'm driving down this this is a true story as I'm driving down this country lane I've been down there many times with different birds so I'm driving down and I, I, and I look in my mirror, and there's about three or four cars following me. But because she's giving me a blowjob, I lose my concentration. So I just pulled down, and I pulled down to this dark place, so, I, so I'm going to give her one. So you can imagine now what's going to happen now. This is the most scariest thing in my life. I, I can laugh about it now, but at the time, it wasn't that funny. So I parked down, so I'm just about to give her one, and my window gets smashed. So it's pitch black. I don't know what's going on, and she knows this is a setup. So the one thing that saves my life that night was my knob. Not my knob down there. The knob of the car door. Because if he hit that hammer through the window, it smashed the door and he couldn't get in. His accomplice got in the other side. They absolutely battered me. They didn't knock me out. They didn't hurt me. But they fucking they battered me, stabbed me. I ended up with fucking nine arseholes. Honestly, stabbed me all over my bum and that. When I went to jail, I was the most sort of the prisoners. <laughs> so now... As I, I'm down this country lane, right, I'm covered in blood, I'm battered, right, so I, I don't know how I'm going to get it, I need to go to the hospital, I'm, I'm, I'm bleeding badly, 
by luck, a miracle, a car comes out of nowhere, stops. And so he, I said, I need to go to the hospital. I said, I've been stabbed in that, and I'm, I'm covered in blood. Um, so he said, pull your trousers up. So I pulled my trousers <laughs> So I get in the car. Now I get to the hospital. Within minutes, right, because who I was, I was news. The police are there. Massive amount of police are there. Now this is going to be attempted murder. They try to kill me. So they get the chief of police comes in. He goes, can I have a word with you? I'm lying on bed and they're stitching me up. And he goes, um, I've been to your house. He said, I've told your wife. I went, oh, for fuck's sake, why? He said that she didn't believe, she didn't believe us. I said, what do you mean didn't believe us? He said, how the hell did he get caught? He only, only last 10 seconds, fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I get obviously stitched up on that. And now I'm headline news in all the papers, in all the Sunday papers headline Soccer star gets stabbed in car, having sex with his brother-in-law's wife. It, like, it wasn't very, very good for me, the publicity, but it, it was one of those things that everything seems to happen to me. I don't know why. Yeah, but Mickey, the, the, the story that um, Eddie told us was that um, that happened to He got hit with the hammer and stabbed with a screwdriver and that. And um, he said, you rang up, you rang up uh, Joey Jones. She I, said, I, um, I, any I idea did, uh, who did that to me? He went, yeah, it was a chippy. <laughs> <laughs> I did, I phoned Joey, I, Joey's my best mate, right, you know, we're like that, so I phoned Joey that, that next morning at half six in the morning after I got out of hospital, and I said, listen, I, I'm not going to be able to come into train late, I've been stabbed in that, I've been hit, I've been hit in that badly. Um, he goes, to me, I said, I've been stabbed with a hammer and a screwdriver, he said, well, at least the police have got a leader looking for a fucking joiner. <laughs> Joey's fucking mad. But anyway, that's an experience that I've, I've forgot about that now, it's gone. Brilliant, I love it. Uh, Dan, have we got another question from somebody? I'm sure we have. Keith? You had, there we go. You did have your hand raised. Well done. Out of all the players that you played with, who would you say was the toughest on and off the pitch? Who was the toughest player on and off the pitch that you played with? Um, I played with Vinnie Jones. Um, I, I mind Vinnie because he was at Leeds um, that time I went to Leeds in 1990. And then I think what happened about Vinnie was that he could fight off the pitch and on it. Um, and he was only there two days and he went to this nightclub and this guy was a monster wanted to fight him. And fair due to Vinnie, he didn't back down. He goes, right, he said, I'll have a fight. See those double doors there? He said, me and you got there. This is Vinnie. We'll go through. And fair due to Vinnie, he went through that door. And it was about five or six minutes before he came in first. Like, I beat him. I beat him up. I said, oh, you beat him? Yeah, he goes, I beat him up. Next day, this guy's gone to newspapers. Yeah. Mental. But Vinny, probably Vinny Jones is probably the, the one that would have a fight on and off the pitch. I've seen many people like Graham Sinis and that on the pitch, but they're not hard off it. Mental. Love it. Uh, great question, Keith. Uh, next question. Right at the back. Tell us who you are as well when you get I the mic. I hope you can edit this. <laughs> no, 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 no. We just let it go, Mickey. Uh, Mickey, I'm curious, at Hillsborough, after Doug Rugby had had his moment of glory and given away a penalty after we got back from 3-0 down to 4-3 up, what happened in the dressing room afterwards? Did he ask him what the hell he was doing, or did people laugh it off? Uh, well, I, I think it was, you know, for Doug Rugby, for me, one of the most honest players you could ever get. You know, um, he's big, strong and that, and... Just, I don't really. I don't think anyone really said it. I think you could see with the disappointment on the pitch that it was a clumsy challenge because, you know, we were going to win the game. There's no question about that. And the, the game was going away from them, 
and they get that, obviously, it was a stupid challenge, wasn't it, and that. And the, the one thing about that challenge, I said to him after, I would have had him, I would have had him, you know, I was going to, I knew my, I was just going to make the challenge, but, it, but he made it, I don't know where he came from, and he made it, it was a clumsy challenge, but and he said it was a bad mistake, but he's too big to say anything to <laughs> he's, like, he's about sick for ordinary, Doug. No, but it was, it's one of those things that happened. But we, we won the game eventually. We went to a replay, and as, it, as it's been well documented, we won the game in, that, in, in, in an emphatic style within that last second of the game. You couldn't get that more perfect than anything because they were our rivals that season. They, you know, they didn't like us. You know, they were all about the fitness and that, how fit they were. In that, in that quarter final, in that replay, uh, when we went 4 all. It was like extra time. They were on the floor, sitting on the floor. The Chelsea players were standing up and that. That's how fit they were. We were much fitter than them. Yeah, exactly that. Great answer, Mickey. Right, next question. Can quest I just tell you yeah, that? Yeah, about, sure. You know, the manager, Howard Wilkins, when I made my debut at Stanford Business, I scored those two goals and I was the headline next, next day. He made a headline as well. He said, Mickey Thomas is a great player until he gets fed up with a manager. I thought, you bastard, I've just scored three fucking goals. And that didn't show him. Then I scored a winner against him. And then I get a phone call in 1990 from a guy that's going to sign me. And his name is Hal Wilkinson. So I played Leeds United the last game of the season for Shrewsbury. And I went back in the dressing room. I went back for something. I didn't come out of the dressing room. There's a system manual. Uh, can you give us a ring at Ellen Road on Monday? Uh, well, I said, me? He goes, yeah. So I went into the, into the bar. We had a guy called Bernard McNally played for Shiba. I said, give you your number. I said, they want me to ring. He said, because he had a full sales sign, a joke on his back. He said, they want to sign you. So I phoned up and I phoned up and the system I goes, I said, it's Mickey Thomas here. It's Howie Wilkins. He goes, yeah, I'll get him for you. And this is Zach Words had a conversation with him. He says, uh, hi, Mickey. He said, how do you fancy playing for Leeds United? I went, you can fuck off. He said, pardon? <laughs> and no, th no, this is my conversation. I said, you can fuck off. He goes, uh, what do you mean? I said, you've hammered me in the papers. Everywhere I've played, you've hammered me. He said, no, I've admired you, he said. I fucking hated you, but I admired you. I want you to sign for Leeds United. He said, I've had you watch all last year. I know you just come back from America, but I've had you watch every game for Shub, he said. You've still got it. Come and sign for Leeds United. So I went to Leeds United, had a chat, and I know. We didn't get on me and our work, I'll tell you the story. So I signed, got massive money and that. Signed with Benny Jones and that lot, John Henry. And so I signed and what happened was, it was stupid. I signed for Leeds United, but Tramie Rovers, Johnny King, who was a manager, and Norman Wilson, who worked at Wrexham for years, I knew him and said, come over to Ellen, uh, from, from Ellen Rose, come and have a chat with us. And I had my contract with me. It's the worst thing I've, I ever did. I've got my contract, they said, sign for Tramie. I said, well, I've just signed for Leeds United. He said, no, it doesn't really count at the moment. You can sign for us. I said, well, I've got a contract. And Norman Wilson, well, show us your contract. And I showed him my contract. They went out. They must have photocopied it. Came back and I said, no, I'm not going to sign. And so I went home. I got a phone call from Leeds United on Monday. From the system. He said, Mickey said, the manager needs to see you as soon as possible. What do you mean? They're not, we're not happy with you. I thought, oh, my God. He said, we've had a phone call off Chamber Rovers. You've showed him your contract. I thought, oh, you bastard. So I haven't signed for them. They've pissed me off. They've pissed them off. They sent to leave that I wanted to sign for them, but they couldn't match my contract. So I played 18 months at, uh, at Leeds United. I played four games only. I had four operations in that time. But after the third game, he said to me, he said, you're not going to play for Leeds United again. He said, you've done a dirty on us. I said, whatever you want to do, if you want to play me, fine, I'm, I'm happy with that. I said, I'm still going to get all the money you give me, you know what I mean? So he said, well, okay, fine. So I never got on with Howard Wilkes enough of that. Yeah, yeah, I never got on. He didn't like me because he thought I backtracked, but I didn't. I was going to sign for Leeds, but Ramy obviously gave me a bad name. 
I don't think we're worried about Harold Wilkinson. No, I, I, no, no, I wasn't. No, no but, but funny enough, when I wasn't playing, I was walking down the, the players' tunnel and all the players with him. And he's talking about heading and he goes, oh, here's someone that can't head a ball. I said, well, remember that quarterfinal from Chelsea? Remember that goal? I was going, bang. He went, <laughs> he's always devastated. Yeah, yeah. So I give, I give him a bit of stick for that. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Right. Dan? Okay, who, who's your favourite modern-day player? The, the modern-day player? The, yeah. the, the best modern-day player? Well, yeah, your anybody, your favourite. Anybody, really. anybody, Dan? Like your favourite, the one you think, wow, he's, your, he's a good player. Your favourite modern-day player? The, uh, anyone that is different, that doesn't stick to the rule book. Um, I, I, I do like people that play off the cuff and that. I mean, it's, I think it's well documented now. Football is very, very disciplined now. Everything is done to detail, in it? I think... You know, players in the final third that can excite you, that you know, want to play. I mean, you know, I, I like the skillful players. You know, yeah, I, I don't like mentioning players that don't play for the teams that we haven't played for. But I mean, Mo Salah's a natural goal scorer. I don't know what happened at Chelsea, but for, for Liverpool, he, he's phenomenal. He's a, it's unbelievable goal scorer. Um, people like that, 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 you know, that are different. That, that know where the back of the net is. I mean, they're the gifted ones, aren't they? I, I shouldn't say that they're the gifted ones because people like myself that make goals never get any really credit, do they? But someone like that, I think people that that, that different, I like that. What, what about Eden Hazard? Well, he was probably the best player of all time, wasn't he? I mean, I, I spoke to Calvin, and I think Calvin's favourite ever player. Hazard, for me, was one of the most natural gifted. Um, sometimes it's wrong to move when you should stay yeah. because he had everything at Chelsea. He had the connection, he had the, the love... He had everything. Of course, it's very difficult to turn down Real Madrid. Of course, it is because everyone wants to play, you know, abroad. And Real Madrid are one of the biggest teams in the world. So, in that respect, you can't knock him. But for that, it never happened for him, did it? Uh, injuries that played a major, major uh, thing for him. That was a major problem for him. But the, you know, I, I like Zola. I mean, I know um, people like Calvin, like you know, Hazard and that Zola, who Hullet. You know, you've had some, you know, great players over the years and that. Um, who is the greatest player for Chelsea? I think you can never say, you know, the likes of Peter Rodgers and people like that. You know, the Charlie Cooks, the Peter Bonettis. You know, they've all had their period and their time at a football club. So when you say who's the greatest footballer, who's the best footballer, I think it's very, very difficult because it's all different eras and different periods, isn't it? You know, Hazard for sure. Um, you know, you go back to Pat Nevin and people like that from my area. You know, Kerry Dixon is a natural goal scorer. It's very, very difficult to say who is the greatest. And I think it's unfair to say who is the greatest because if you look at United with Sir Bobby Shaw, one of the greatest players of all time, George Best and that. There's so many different players in different areas, isn't it? You know, very, very difficult to say who is the greatest player. Um, but if you ask me for the top three in Chelsea... Um, I would probably get laughed at, but I, I, I think Peter Burnett was a great goalkeeper. I, 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 the cap they called him, you know, without doubt. Uh, his service to Chelsea football. I played in his testimony for Manchester United. Uh, he, he was a, a great goalkeeper. Um, I put Pat Nevin in there for sure because he was a genius. That period of time, his foot, when he played for Chelsea, he was unplayable. Without doubt, and you, you, I would put him in the same bracket. You probably laugh at this, but in the same bracket as Eddie Hazard, uh, uh, Hazard no, uh, without no, doubt, no, because no, I, no. you know, he had everything, Pat. Um, but you go to the odds goods, you go to people like Baldwin and, and people like Tamlin and that. You know, they're 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 in the history book. They're they're there for the records, aren't they? Jimmy Greaves. Well, Jimmy Greaves, yeah. what a play he was, yeah. by the way. What a natural goal he was. So, they, you know, the, the list is endless, isn't it? 
I think what I, you know, <coughs> there's a little bit of Mickey Thomas actually about Eden Hazard, you know, because he he did what he wanted to do. He liked to entertain. Yeah. He wouldn't be told. What was his nightlife life? <laughs> well, he was boring compared to. Did he do string fellows? Did no, he, do... he didn't. But other than that, there's still a similarity. I, I, I did, he did his own thing. Yeah, uh, he, was, he, was, he was a gifted player yeah, with natural yeah. ability and that. I mean, as I said, as the game is changing, as it is very, very fast, it's, it's very, very I, I say regimental now. I think it's it's so everything done to detail. You know, you can stop teams playing by playing a certain way. And I, I, said, I spoke to Mark Hughes well, before he got sacked at Bradford. I asked him the question. This is a true story. That I said to him, I said, um, "Can I ask you a question about, you know, do you stereotype your play? Do you tell him to stay in certain?" He said, I do in my office, he said, but in the final third, I said, go out and express yourself. So in that respect, I think that's what I'd like to say. Give them and license to do what they want to do. Couldn't agree more. Uh, another question? You know what? Last time I did a question answer, I got 18 months in fucking Warrington Crown. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Vicky. I can't believe you run out of questions. There we go, that always works. Dan. <laughs> You're excused. Uh, with um, what you were saying earlier about social media, how do you think us chaps here from the like, 70s, 80s, compared to supporters now, that we had like all the days in the second division and we loved going there. I mean, we all love the ooh, it's a corner chant. Yes. But yes. Thank you, Jonathan. <laughs> right. Thank you, Jonathan. And and the set them alight song. Do you remember that one? We're the ones to set them alight. Who are the ones to set them alight? No. Chair LC. Hit him on the brain with a diesel train. That's as far as I'm. Okay. Right. Well, you've but, woken him up. Yeah. Yeah. But with with as you were saying earlier about social media and how horrible it is. Do you think the supporters from our period? were better than now. We were more patient. And well, I think the social media today seems to be all the kids who are like grown up with last 20 years of Chelsea winning everything, where we grew up with Chelsea winning nothing, and we stuck by them through thick and thin, and we yeah, won everything. Yeah, I think from my, my era and going on today's modern era is that it's completely different because as you, just, you just said there as well is that you can voice your opinion now. You know, I came out with Chelsea with Kelvin last night. They got uh, someone doing a TV channel, you know, WhatsApp channel, whatever you call it, uh, or a Zoom channel, whatever they call it. You know, doing that. Everyone's got an opinion now, and, and, and fortunately for them players now, in my, you know, not when I played, but they can hear everything. And I said before about social media, it controls everything now. It's so powerful. If you've got a platform to go on, you can do anything with that. You can destroy people, you can make people. And, you know, in, in terms of the way the game's gone in VAR and that, and there's so much talking points about the game now, whether the referee should be called, whether VR should be available and that. It, it's such a difficult thing now to control. It's, it's gone out of control. It's very hard to, to get back to what it was. I don't think we're ever going to get that because now everyone... You know, everyone likes a platform, everyone likes to hear their own voice, everyone likes to have an opinion on that. And 
as I said, it's a lot of negativity comes comes with it, and that negativity because it can destroy you. And I, I do feel sorry for the modern gay player. I know they get vast amounts of money, and that that's why I get the question: Would I rather play today, or would I rather play in my era? I wouldn't want to play in today's era. I wouldn't want to own seven cars, fucking five houses, and go on holiday every week. No, but it, the situation <laughs> is now is that. I've, I've enjoyed my ear, and I wouldn't spot I wouldn't spot my ear for what it is today. I know it's it's globally all over the world, but from my ear's connection with you lot and wherever I played is that that was special. Now it's different. Now it's different. It's completely different. You know, I think I think the difference now is that uh, you know when you were playing, you know, the only opinion that really counted were the people that were at the match. You know, the, either away or at home. You know, the match yeah, going supporters. You know, now yeah. you've got apparently 90 million Chelsea fans across the across the world, and it, it's a very different animal, isn't it? Well, everything. You know, the mobile phones. Everyone's got a camera. Everything. Everything completely changed. So you know, it's hard to control yeah. that. It's, it's impossible to control that. So you know, you have to try and manage it in the right way. But it's very very difficult. You know, if you had a bad game in our day. You'll hear it on the day or the night. Yeah. You wouldn't hear it again after right. that. You, you know, you can forget about that. But now you can't forget. If I had a bad game today, I'll hear about it tomorrow. I'll hear about the next day. I'll hear about the day after that. You know, it's the last game you play. You get so much scrutinised now, and it, it's it's quite horrible, really. Yeah, I, no, I, I know. I, I'm I'm happy. I'm Jack the lad, but I don't know whether I could stand that abuse and that. I don't know. I would be able to take it. It's a good point. I mean, the, the interesting thing is, I mean, you know, we've been lucky enough to go to the last couple of away games, and, it, and it's, a, it's a reminder that actually it's very different at the match. You know, the support that, that the boys get is, is almost universal, and it's usually completely different from what you see on social media. So some things don't change. Well, yeah, if you see, like, a game, like, you know, everything's on YouTube, everything's on, you know, WhatsApp, everything, you get sent everything, everything's on, you know, TikTok and, you know, Twitter, everything's, everything's there within seconds. You know, you've got to be so careful what you say. You say one thing there, you're finishing that. And it's sad, you know, feeling the speech, you should be allowed to do that, but unfortunately you can't do anything these days. You've got to be so careful. Um, so I didn't swear before it's someone else okay well I mean here's the thing I mean you know I, I doubt that me and JK will be around in 20 years time but on the, in the, in the <laughs> unless you're really unlucky yeah, <laughs> but if yeah. we are I cannot imagine doing what we've just done today with Mickey with anybody who's playing right now no I don't, it's the money they get and you know I, I don't think they need to, to do anything these days I think that's, that's what the, the bottom line is they're financially very secure I still certainly have gambling problems there's no question about that still, that's still going on inside football um um, I'm sure they have pressure for different things as well, but as I said, it's a little bit more difficult now than it was from when we played. You know, because we didn't have that camera, we didn't have a picture, didn't have a phone, anything like that. That can that can capture you. So in that respect, it's a lot harder today to to be a professional footballer. Yeah, there is that too, right? Um, I think we've got time for one more question uh, because I want to leave a little bit of time for you. To, you know, because some of you might not want to like ask a question more publicly. You might want to ask it to, to Mickey privately. Um, yet I've, I've noticed the gentleman in the, the grey jumper. So we'll make this the last question. We have to be out of here at six, just so you know. All right. And your name, sir? My name is John. Good afternoon, Mick. Um, in the modern game, the football agent is more well known than some of the players. 
When you were playing, the number of years that you played, 21 years, you said, yes. Did you, one, have a representative when you negotiated your contracts? And if you don't mind sharing with us, what was the best contract you ever got? That's a great question. And I'm going to answer it honestly. Um, I'm going to start from when I first started off. Um, I'm going to laugh when I say it. I started off as a pensioner at Wrexham on £5 a week. Um, £4 of it was for digs. A pound was to get home, so we, that's how I started off. My first professional contract was, I think, was on eighteen pound a week. That's my first contract, uh, and that was quite a lot of money in those days, apparently. So eighteen pound, um, which is laughable to what they get today, of course it is. But um, my best contract um, was when I went to Leeds United in nineteen ninety. Um, I had eight hundred pound plus uh, travelling expenses. Came to about £1,250 a week, which was quite a lot of money in those days, to be honest. It was a lot of money. Uh, and I had a sign-on fee of about £30,000. Spent that in a week. Uh, um, yeah, but I never... You know, I know it sounds stupid, what I'm going to say, but I, I, this is a true story. I left Wrexham for Manchester United, right? I signed for Wrexham uh, as a young kid, and I, not knowing where my career and Joey's were going to go. And I get an offer from Manchester United. I turned down a few teams before that. Some teams I never heard of. One was Arsenal. One was Man City. Uh, one was um, Tottenham. Was the first team that came in to sign me. I turned them down. Um, that, that's the first team. I didn't want to go anywhere. Then the club needed money. Uh, Wrexham phoned me up. Said, "Listen, Manchester United made a bid. We, we need to go." I didn't have my printing machine at the time, so I couldn't get money. <laughs> so what happened was is that I'm going to sign for Manchester United. And this is a true story. I don't, I don't mind um, giving the, the true story on this one. So I met the manager, Dave Sexton, at uh, Leicester City. I played my last game for Wrexham, scored in the first half. I was going to sign for Manchester United but I, on the Thursday, but I met the manager after the game. He's, he was at Leicester. He said, sit down there, son. He said, I've been after you for a long while. He said, um, you know, you've got a great left foot. He said, you, you know, you're, you're a top little player. He said, you've got a good engine. You're strong. You're not big, but I watched you play your first game for Wales against you. And he said, you were unbelievable. I want you to sign for us. He said, what do you want? And I said, what, what are you on about? What do I want? He goes, what, well, money? I, I said, I'm, I don't, I'm not interested in money. I said, not bothered about it. I just want to be a footballer. You know, I, I've come from a, a background of um, a council. I'd never had any money. I said, not bothered. Because I've never heard that before. But he, <laughs> but he looked after me. Uh, gave me uh, £450 a week. Um, a standing on fee, I think, of 25, something like that, £1,000. It was in 78, was quite a lot of money. Um, so I, I signed, but everywhere I signed, I never paid for money. I, I know it sounds ironic that I got to jail for counterfeit money, but that was not, <laughs> th but that was nothing. I never did anything. That, that was just a fucking joke. Um, so every club I played for, the only, I, I signed for Chelsea. Uh, I, have to, I can't discuss, but I signed for Chelsea uh, with Ken Bates and. Um, he offered me the money and that. So I said, yeah, but it wasn't about money. He thought I was money or inside. You know, do you, you want more? I said, no, I'm happy with that. Just give it. I said, all I want to do is play football. I've got a bit of a reputation of being crazy, but the one thing I do, I want to play football. I'm not interested in really what I get. So in my era and the era before me and the era before that, I don't think it was ever about money. What happened is now that the agents are in the game. It's changed all that. You know, I never had an agent. I had a news agent, that's the only thing I ever had. So, I, you know, so the, the way of a, a thinking professional football now, 
from a very young age, from nine, eight to nine to ten, it's, it's, it's money. It's all about money now. The game has changed in that respect. There's so much money involved in football now, they can't give you enough. So for me, as a player, as growing up, as a young lad, growing up and not knowing where I was going to go and where I was going to get, to come into that environment in terms of Manchester United, my first team I joined, and, and money, I didn't know, and that was going to change me. Because in my first season, I, I signed at Christmas time, and um, Martin Buckingham, the, the, the captain of Manchester United, said, I want you to go into the town centre to, to open up a shop. And I'd never done that, so I, I, they sent a car, I went down to town, opened the shop, I was there for five minutes. The guy gave me £500 cash in my hand and said, that's for you, so... Five hundred pounds. So the next day, I went into training, and I said to Martin Buck and said, "Oh, they they give me five hundred quid. That's for you." I said, "He goes, no, that's yours." I said, "What do you mean? Oh, that's what you get for opening a shop." I said, "Is there any more fucking shops I can open?" Five hundred quid. So now, what I'm going to say to you now is that the more money I got, the worse I became. And, you know, because I, I couldn't control it. I give everything. You know, that's my nature. I give everything away. So that was a problem for me, you know, because, you know, I came to Chelsea and, I, you know, I liked a bit of a gamble, like doing that and that. So it changes and, and that's what I mean. Today, I don't know how they can manage 300 grand a week in a bank and a million pounds on a month now. I don't know how these professional footballers, how that affects them mentally. You know, it's got to have some effect on you. Yeah. Because when you have money, you've got power. You think, you're, you know, nothing's a problem. But it is a problem because you lose sense of reality. You don't realise what's and it happened to me. I don't realise it's happening, but it does. It changes you. Yeah. It changes you as a person and you don't know what's happening. Yeah, totally right, Mickey. Uh, one thing I would say about you, Mickey, I've known, known you for quite a while now. You've never changed. Please don't no, ever change, no. Mickey. We love you just the way you are, mate. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I'd just like to say thank you. Thank yeah. You. <laughs> yeah. You're a legend, Mickey. Thank you so much. Thank you. I mean, I, I, I speak, speak, I'm sure I speak for everyone Fantastic. when I say how much we've Fantastic. enjoyed it tonight with Mickey. Fantastic. He's an absolute Sorry about swearing. No, don't worry. We don't, we don't fucking care. <laughs> uh, I'd like to thank you lot, too, for coming along. I know, you know, Sunday afternoons are a big ask. We really appreciate you supporting these events. We love doing them. It's great to help some of these guys out as well. They deserve our support too. So a massive round of applause for everybody who's come along tonight. Thank you. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.